As we open up God's word this morning, hear the heart of King Solomon as recorded in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched within my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any other had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. First time they sang that song was 50 years prior to that concert. And they're still singing the same song. Yeah, and they're still unsatisfied, and they still can't really sing very well. <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction. You know, for some of us, that's been our theme song. For some people that you dearly love, family and friends, they've been singing that their whole lives. 
And this song and the book of Ecclesiastes gives us an awful taste of life without God, trying to live life where the Lord is not included. And so I try and I try, try, try to keep finding satisfaction. It's all vanity. We keep singing the song and our souls are never satisfied. And this morning, brothers and sisters, I think it's time for us to sing a new song. To sing a new song that we are reminded that Christ is our satisfaction. So let's pray this morning for our time. Father, I just, uh, I just thank you so much for the book of Ecclesiastes. I thank you for uh, the truth that you are our satisfaction. I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to us this morning when we are trying to find satisfaction for our souls elsewhere and draw us close to you, Father, I pray. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we give this time to you. We give our hearts to you in your precious name. Amen. Well, we... uh, Start to, started to study Ecclesiastes uh, last week. Art did a really nice job giving us an introduction uh, into the book in chapter 1. And one of the questions uh, for many of you I know is, is why, why would we bother uh, studying Ecclesiastes? Um, first glance through, uh, it's really a depressing book. Uh, it's kind of a bummer of a book. And uh, many of you are going, it's summertime. You know, we want to kind of enjoy our summer still. Uh, why are we going through this? And initially, when I was first studying this book, I was like, boy, this is a bummer of a book. And then the Lord started to uh, minister to me, started to open my eyes, and I, I, I've actually been really blessed uh, by this book in my study. So why, why are we doing it? What do we enter into? Well, one of the reasons that we're studying Ecclesiastes is that it's honest about the, the trials and the troubles of our life. Melville said it's the truest of all books. Phil Riken said this. He goes, he goes, think of Ecclesiastes as the only book of the Bible that was written on a Monday morning. You know? It's just kind of that feeling. It's a good book that allows us to enter into questions that we have. One commentator said it's It's a back door that allows believers to enter in with their sadness, with their skepticism, when they're afraid to enter into those areas through the front door of their faith. So it allows you to take a look at at honest questions. You know, many of you, like Solomon, were really wrestling. We're trying to understand what it's all about, what God has for you. What's the meaning of life? Where are we headed with all of this? And it allows us to enter in. We, we should study Ecclesiastes because it brings us to a place where we're allowed to see what will happen to our lives when we choose to follow after what the world has to offer us instead of what the Lord brings to us in all of His fulfillment in life. Solomon really gives us, uh, again, a really strong taste You want to pursue life without God? Here's how empty and vain and futile it will be. 
And so turn to the Lord for your satisfaction is the ultimate end. We study it because it brings us and allows us the hardest questions that we still have today, such as what is the meaning of life? I mean, why are we getting up in the morning? What's it all about? What are these relationships I'm in? What am I doing for work? What is it that I'm striving after and pursuing? And it will help us worship the one true God. It brings us to a place where we see that our Lord is sovereign over all things. It brings us to a place where we start to see His presence, His love for us, His help. And ultimately, we'll really begin to see our need for Jesus in Ecclesiastes. And that's my prayer for us as we continue to study this. And so Art brought us chapter 1, and it says in chapter 1, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. It is all vanity. Well, who's the preacher? Art mentioned that Solomon is the author, uh, probably of most of this book of Ecclesiastes. The Hebrew word for preacher is koheleth, and it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting Hebrew word in that it, it is one who gathers together, one who assembles together. The preacher is the assembler, the gathering one. And he brings them together for the purpose of imparting wisdom, but, but more than that, it's for bringing together people to worship God. So the preacher says... The preacher says, this is what it looks like. I'm gathering together so that we worship God. And he's writing the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, the form in the Greek, is ekklesia. Ekklesia means church. Church is the people of God. It's not a building, right? It's the people of God gathering for what purpose? To worship God. So Koheleth, the gatherer, writing Ecclesia, the gathering of the people, what purpose? I want us to worship God together, and I want you to understand my journey, that it all led to vanity. And so let us worship God and draw near to Him, because ultimately, He is our only source of satisfaction. So the preacher brings that to us. Let's gather together as we study Ecclesiastes and let us worship God. And may you know ultimately that Christ is our only satisfaction. What does the preacher say? He says, it's all vanity without God. Havel. It's, it's all vanity. It's uh, smoke, like Art said last week. It's, it's just this, this vapor It's like your breath on a cold morning. It's a striving after something that cannot be grasped. In a broader term, vanity, meaningless, it it has that sense of futility, ultimate futility, pointless. We never arrive at a place of satisfaction. The preacher says it is all of vapor, it's useless. It's absurd. There's not one single aspect of our human 
existence that isn't frustrated by futility. And so we keep singing the song, I can't find satisfaction. The preacher says, this is what life looks like under the sun. That term is used 29 times in this book. Under the sun, that has the idea of of that which is horizontal. That which is a, a merely human perspective that we live on this planet and all I can see is all that's happening just right here. Life under the sun, I think it's a perfect a perfect image for us as we're under this 100 degree heat, right? We really get a feel, this passage. It's oppressive. It's heavy. It's burdensome. You're exhausted. You see, life pursued without the Lord in the middle, it's exhausting. And you end up empty in your soul. And he says, stop looking on this horizontal level, look beyond the sun, this earthly sun, to the sun. That's where we get our perspective of life. And that's where we get our satisfaction. And so the preacher says, let us come to worship God together. Learn from me because my way and my pursuit, they led to emptiness. They were all vanity, meaningless, But the beautiful thing is that vanity doesn't have the last word as we study Ecclesiastes. And you need to hold on to that. I'm going to do a little spoiler alert, and I'm going to go to chapter 12. I'm going to ruin the whole story for you. Here's what Ecclesiastes 12 says. Because as we go through this, part of the time you're going to be going, oh my goodness, what are we working through? Here's the beauty of Ecclesiastes. Verse 13 of chapter 12. Now that all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Are you ready? I'm going to sum it all up for you. As we gather to worship God, here's the answer. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Come into relationship with God, our awesome, sovereign God, who is holy. Fear Him. Have a reverence for God. Because He loves you so much. And He's done so much for you. And because of your love for God, keep His commandments because His way is life-giving. Because His way is truth. So the end of the story, after going through all of this, fear God and keep His commandments. The fear of God is, is not just the beginning, it's the end. Wesley said this, that The grand truth of it all is there's no happiness outside of our loving Lord. So let's continue to learn from Solomon. He learned, he went through an awful mess. He kept going down some bad country road. And finally he came to a place of understanding his need for the Lord. And so let us draw closer and let us see our need for Christ. Chapter 2, I said in my heart... Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. You see, the Epicureans always lived like that. Every day was how I could get the most pleasure out of life. Come now, I, I want to test and enjoy pleasure. 
I tried to test myself, and so I took my family a year ago to, to Disney World to seek pleasure. Because the promise was it was the happiest place on the planet, right? Where all your dreams come true. Now, this particular time that we went, there was a new ride. I'd been to Disney quite a bit, and so I enjoyed it, but there was nothing really new. But now there was a new ride. It was, it was the Seven Dwarves ride. And the hype on this thing was unbelievable. Now, I know how to do Disney. I know how to do the fast passes. I, did, I know how to make sure we're not waiting in line forever. But here's the deal. It was such a pop, popular ride, you could not get a fast pass. And so in order to do the ride, you had to get in the line and wait. And so that is exactly what we did. We hopped in the line, and we went through, and they had all kinds of things like, like jewels you know, from the mine that the dwarves dug up, and they had things you could play with, and little water fountains. And, but by the time we went through, hour and 15 minutes we're waiting in this line. And the anticipation was building. I was, you know, I'm an almost 50-year-old man. I'm excited about this to get on this ride. And so we get in, and finally you get to that place. You get in uh, line number three. And I'm line number three, and the gate opens up. And it's like, woohoo! you know, kid in a candy shop, ready to go. So we hop into this thing, and we get going. Three minutes later, we're back at the gate. And I get off. I'm, out, I'm with my wife, and I'm like, is that all there is? Are you kidding me? Hour and 15 minutes for this? All the hype that was built, this will really bring you joy? Are you kidding me? So I'm just telling you, dear friends, uh, not worth the wait, all right? <laughs> Get a fast pass, hopefully you can. But you've got to understand, see, Solomon's asking the same question, isn't he? Is this all there is? Is this what life is all about? What am I doing here? And he's wrestling with it. What is the meaning of all these things? And so he first tries to answer the question like Art brought to us last week. He tries to answer it with knowledge. Well, if I have knowledge of of life and everything and how it works, that will bring me satisfaction in my life. But now he goes on. That didn't bring me satisfaction. And so I've got to look elsewhere. Come I will test these things. It's, it's the idea of, I'm going to experiment with trying everything out there, and I want to learn from my personal experience what it's all about. So come, I will test with pleasure. Johnny Cash sings a song called The Wanderer. Here's the words to it. I went out there in search of an experience to taste and to touch and to feel as much as a man can before he repents. I need to experience everything. You know, we have a whole generation of wanderers right now. Do you know what they look like? Hold on. Wait for it. Captured it. Pokemon Go. I captured Pokemon, and I just earned 100 points, and he's in my screen here. I have captured him. And they're walking all around. I was in San Francisco two weeks ago. A man in his business suit ran full-fledged right into me, and he's playing Pokemon Go at lunchtime. 
capturing these vapors, these, these images on their screen and earning points. And I sit there and I go, what is the purpose of it all? Everybody's wandering around. Go down to the green belt today. Oh, you will see everybody down there with their phone up like this. They will probably bump into you. Pokemon Go, wandering, trying to capture some sort of joy in their life. And it's all a vapor. All vanity, I wandered around trying to touch and feel everything. Me, myself, and I. Look what he says. I talk to myself about these things. It's not, and so I sought the Lord. Lord, show me, reveal to me. It's no, I will be the one to decide what it's all about. It's self-centered pleasure. And so I turned to myself and figured, well, one of the ways to have pleasure is to turn to laughter. Maybe laughter will satisfy my soul. When we feel insecure, we make a joke about it. When we're down, we make fun of other people. When I'm bored, I do something to make me laugh. I either watch episodes of Seinfeld, or if you're like, if you're like many of us, we turn to YouTube to watch YouTube videos that hopefully will make us laugh. And we, we turn and we're looking for ways to bring us joy and laughter. And Solomon, the preacher, Kohelis, says, well, what is it about all this? I turn to laughter, and my ultimate conclusion is that laughter is madness. And it's not even the idea that it's out of your mind, it's something that's out of your mind. It's the idea that it's, it's somewhat even sinful A lot of laughter is cynical or sarcastic or even cruel coming at someone else's expense. Have you ever said to someone, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you, and yet they're not laughing. T.M. Moore paraphrases this idea of laughter. I concluded that laughter and merriment for their own sakes were madness. What did they help me accomplish to find lasting meaning and purpose in life? This is what Solomon is wrestling with with as he's trying to be satisfied. And he's still singing the song, I can't get no satisfaction. I've tried knowledge, I'm pursuing pleasure, and I'm starting with laughter. That doesn't work. And so he went to wine. Well, wine will maybe bring me satisfaction. Phil Riken says that to cheer one's body with wine has a, has a negative connotation. It has the idea that there's an abuse of wine. Chuck Swindoll says, well, the way that it's approached in the scriptures where it says, I was in my right mind, I was, I was seeking wisdom as I was pursuing wine, is that he was more of a connoisseur of wine. One who really went after and tried all the wines. Hopped in his limo in Napa Valley and hit every winery along the way. Either way, whatever's going on there, Solomon was thinking, you know what? I'm not finding satisfaction in these other things. Therefore, let's pursue wine. Hopefully, wine will bring me to a place of satisfaction for my soul. And I will strive after it. I will try the greatest wines that there are. He's seeking after And verse 3 says this, kind of interesting. The preacher was looking for pleasure, 
And look at verse 3. He wanted to see what was good to do under the sun for the few days of their lives. See, when we seek after pleasure, oftentimes we do that because we recognize that life is short. i got to fit it all in. And so I'm seeking after a way to satisfy my soul. And wine left them empty. What came of this, of all that was good? I sought that this would be the good life here, by having a fine wine. And so he keeps singing the song. And so he enters up and he starts to build all these projects. He had all kinds of money, and he exercises almost a godlike creativity in his buildings and what he's doing. You know, as I was reading about all that he built and the gardens and all the houses and everything that he did and the pools, it reminded me of Versailles, the chateau in France. I was just there with my son Joshua. I wanted to show you a few images of it. But this reminded me of what Solomon was doing in his buildings. He spent more than a decade, Solomon did, to build his palace, all kinds of money, and making sure that everything was up to the most magnificent degrees of architecture and and culture. The projects were massive. And and one of the things that you'll find as you read about what Solomon is explaining here and what he built, you can't miss it's all in the plural. I built all kinds of houses, and I built pools, and I built gardens and parks. But here's the truth. They weren't public works. It wasn't for the community to enjoy. It was all for him. And so I built all of these things unto myself, this great palace, so that everybody could recognize me and who I am. The Chateau of Versailles, mostly built by Louis XIV, the 1600s. Marie Antoinette also had her hand in it. But all of that and all of the money spent for Versailles it all ended up being vanity. And it all ended up leading to nothing. Because as many of you know, French Revolution came about, and it was off with their heads from Marie Antoinette and Louis XIV. And so all that they had built was left for whoever came behind. It's all vanity. It's amazing, all of these buildings, but it's a vapor It does not satisfy my soul. So knowledge and pleasure that included laughter and wine and building, and Solomon is singing along with the Rolling Stones still. Now if you're like me, and as you're studying this, you get to this place and you're like, what is wrong What is wrong with these things? What's wrong with laughter? What's wrong with with building and and a good glass of wine? Not being drunk, but enjoying a good glass of wine. What is wrong with these things? And the truth is, there isn't anything wrong with these things. But what you have to hear from Solomon, what Koheleth is bringing us together so that we can worship God together, and end up having him as our satisfaction. What he's saying is, you know what? My goal was to be satisfied in the pursuit of all these things. 
all these pleasures. I had this longing in my life, and so I pursued them, and I found them to be futile. To show us again, this is what life looks like without God. This is what life looks like when we choose to just leave them out of all of our plans, our daily journey. This is what it looks like. Our souls are empty. And so I think the question for all of us, as we enjoy these things in life, pleasure of laughter and wine and building things, the question that I have for myself, and I, and I think we should all have, is, is do, we, do we invite the Lord into the, to the middle of that? Is he the nucleus of all of these things? You see, the Lord loves to bring pleasure into our lives. He's not a killjoy. He loves for us to enjoy creativity that he's given us and to build things and, and to enjoy celebration with each other. But do we invite him in? Do we seek the kingdom of God first in all these matters? The other thing is, are we thankful to the Lord? Are we thankful to the Lord when he brings laughter into our life? Are we thankful to the Lord for the resources to to build and to to use his wonderful creativity that he gave us? Do we say, thank you, God, for the gift of this? Do we invite him to be in the middle? He is the giver of all these things. You see, when we leave him out to find satisfaction alone without him, again, is empty, meaningless, a vapor. And so I keep singing, I can't get no satisfaction. But here's the truth. Here's the good news. Christ alone is our satisfaction. Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is this, that God loves you so, so much that he had to give his son, Jesus, on the cross to die for our sin, the sin that just wreaks havoc on us, to die for that, to be the payment for that. Here's the gospel, the good news is that Jesus rose from the dead. Power of the resurrection. Taking care of sin and death as we place our faith in Him. As we surrender our life unto Him. You see, all of our lives we're looking for satisfaction elsewhere in all of these pleasures of life. And Christ is saying to each and every one of you, I'm your satisfaction. If you believe in me, if you receive me as Lord and Savior, I will fill you to the full of life. I will give you new life. I will be your satisfaction. You're never going to find it over here. Solomon sought everything. Solomon did everything that was supposed to bring us pleasure, that was supposed to be the good life. And it left him curled up in a ball, going, I have nothing. My soul's empty. But don't miss the good news of Jesus Christ. He will fill your soul. He will change your life. You will be saved. And you will be filled with the abundance of his love and forgiveness for our sin. 
As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's overflowing. That's satisfaction in our Savior Jesus. But for Solomon, pursuing pleasure, laughter, wine, and ability still wasn't enough. I'm going to go after women and wine and wealth and song. Surely, this would satisfy me. You know, he had all these slaves, and the reality is, he needed to feed them. 1 Kings 4 talks about the chefs cooked up 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture-fed cattle, a hundred sheep, a hundred deer, gazelles, roebucks, fattened fowl, every day, just to feed all of his servants. He thought, oh, having all of these and those who sing me songs and all that, that should satisfy me. No, it didn't. And so he thought sex would satisfy him. Hugh Hefner had nothing on Solomon. First Kings 11, and Art mentioned this last week, 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines. That's a lot of snuggling going on. He thought sex would satisfy. And he missed totally God's intention for sex. God who created sex to be beautiful and pleasurable and bring you joy and fulfillment, who meant that in marriage, husband and wife loving each other and fully enjoying all that God created. And Solomon thought he could get pleasure outside of that context and it left him empty. Whatever my eyes desired, verse 10, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. My heart found pleasure in all my toil. This was my reward for my toil. My eyes, I did everything I wanted. Nothing was kept from me. You know what, if we're honest with ourselves, you kind of envy this guy. Wouldn't it be cool to have all these servants serving you all the time? Wouldn't it be cool to create all these wonderful palaces and live in beautiful homes? You kind of envy this guy. The reality is, We also are drawn to sin. Why? Because it's pleasurable. At first. That's the reason we're drawn to it. And so we dive into sin. And it leaves us empty to the core. We think this must be the good life. And yet these pursuits and what Solomon is teaching us is it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. It's this vapor It's a chasing after the wind. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended in doing it. And behold, it was all vanity, a striving after the wind. There was nothing, nothing to be gained under the sun. The answer in in pursuing all this, Solomon is saying, I, I considered, it means I looked right in the eye of all that was going on. Behold, it's it's emphatic. I want you to know something Solomon's saying, and I, I want to be as strong as I can. Behold, pursuing pleasure for pleasure's sake is a chasing after the wind. 
You never catch it. It will never satisfy your soul. So what's the answer? If this is all there is, if that three-minute ride is all that there was, what's the answer? What, What do you do when you've had everything you wanted and you find yourself still singing, I can't get no satisfaction? I've accomplished everything I wanted to do, and my soul is empty. Phil Riken says that our unsatisfied longings give us a clue that we were made for the pleasure of God. God allows us to get to this place where our souls are empty Because he wants us to know and experience that yearning for the eternal. That there is more than what this world has to offer. A yearning for heaven, a yearning for the things of God. The truth is, and the good news is, is that satisfaction comes in God alone and his son Jesus Christ. Solomon actually had a little flash of insight. Verse 24 of chapter 2. There's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw from the hand of God. Verse 25, key verse. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have any enjoyment? You see, without him, it is life under the sun that oppressive life, and it's all vanity. But the good news is that the risen Christ offered himself as a sacrifice, the one who rose again from the dead. He is our satisfaction. That is true. Will you receive him? And will you enjoy his satisfaction? When we respond to him in faith, he fills us up to the full. When we look to Christ as our source, when we seek Him, here's what happens. In all the things that we pursue, when we seek Him, our pleasure changes. All of a sudden, we start to realize, I find pleasure in God. I find pleasure in building, but not for myself, and building for others so that they can enjoy. I find pleasure in serving others, not taking from them. Our pleasure changes, and we get the heartbeat of God in our lives. You will find pleasure and enjoyment in Him. It's legitimate. It's holy pleasure. Psalm 16 says, You have made known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So let us stop living pursuing our pleasures for pleasure's sake. Let us heed the words of Solomon, the words of God, to us. And respond and pursue the Lord alone. And you will be filled to the full. And you will find satisfaction in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your good word this morning. Forgive us, Father, when we are seeking and striving after other things, other pleasures other than seeking pleasure in you. 
And so, Father, this morning, we invite you. We invite you into our lives. Be the nucleus, the center of everything that we're doing. Father, minister to us. We want to live for your kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.